0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Welcome to the Leading Lady Fitness Podcast. This is Steph Wilberting, your host. Here, we'll be talking about all things wellness, how it impacts our journey and affects the way we show up in the world. hey team it means so much to me if you would like and follow and subscribe to the leading lady fitness podcast it help us get these conversations to more people's headphones and earbuds today's guest christine diercalay and i have a fantastic conversation for you to listen to and exciting news we will be presenting together live at Broadway Con this summer in New York City. Stay tuned for more information and give me a follow over at leading underscore lady underscore fitness. Enjoy the episode hello everyone welcome to this episode i am like it's like i'm at the lenny kravitz concert again in 1998 my favorite (laughs) except i'm in a different season of my life so this is as exciting if not more to me i am sitting across the zoom squad cast screen here from christine (gasps) dercole yes an original Peloton instructor, a world champion cyclist, and a master home renovator. (laughs) Hi, Christine. Hi. Oh my gosh, you pronounced my name so well. I had a good tutor. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. For those listening, I'm going to give you a quick little story. I posted something on my Instagram stories a couple weeks ago after I took a a pink ride from 2019 when you were on your bike, surrounded by humans in the studio. And um, one of my friends said, you need to take Christine's pink ride ASAP. I just took it again or took it for the first time. And I, I love pink. So I took it. And as soon as I am here came on, I started crying and then studios full of people. I just, all the last two years came flushing through my eyeballs so anyway after i took the ride i went to my instagram stories shared a little bit tagged christine and she answered and said thank you so much for tagging me and i said thank you by the way <laughs> i have this podcast <laughs> and the imita- and the invitations open this is what we like to talk about and she was like great here's my email and i was like are you fucking kidding me Aww. oh my god <laughs> so And here we are just a couple weeks later, literally two minutes before she gets married and she's taking time, not two minutes, but she takes time for us. So thank you for being here. And how are you today? I am very, very well. Thank
2: you. I really appreciated your post and there was something about that ride and you having taught fitness
1: Mm -hmm.
2: yourself, you know, when that, um, that magic happens as a performer, you know, when the magic happens and that ride was flow <laughs> it really was and I'm very it it touches me that it touched you so thank you thank you for reaching out thank you for sharing that it touched you
1: thank you but it's just
2: it that is I'm like naked I'm basically heart naked in that ride yeah. and but isn't that the thing about vulnerability and transparency
1: yeah and I think in fitness I know for me, my journey with my own body and how I move it and how strong I feel is has been the one is probably the most vulnerable journey I've ever been on. So when you get to then share that with other people, it's such a gift. And, you know, as a trainer who also has a Peloton habit now, (laughs) having other people give me that experience, right, is really, really special. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And um, that kind of leads me into the first thing I kind of wanted to dive into about holding space for people. Mm. You know, as a trainer in person classes, you know, you have a select amount of people in front of you. However many bikes are in the room or mats were on the floor at the studio. And you get really good at learning how to manage your energy and hold space for in-person work. Right. What was it like? What is it still like? Mm -hmm over the past two years, especially holding space for so, I mean, millions of people, A, what, what has that been like? And then B, how do you recharge? I would say that, um,
2: not having people in the room physically, it has not in my mind Obviously, it's a different teaching experience, but it hasn't diminished what I do. I don't feel any loss of connection because everybody, every single person on that leaderboard is carrying something. And while I can't see someone's face, I can see the name and the words that they put around their name that express something about them, who they are yeah. and where they are. And so while it's not facial expressions, it's words, which is what I'm all about. Words that I see that tell me stories. Yeah. That, that some of those stories I infer sound like something I've been through. And when I see the story repeated with a shared hashtag. Yeah. Yeah. And I see community there. And so I am not alone in that room ever. And so in the words that people choose to distinguish and describe themselves in that tiny little space where there's only a few characters, I see their faces. I see their hearts. I see their conflicts. I see their hopes. And so there I'm holding space because at the end of the day, i always I've always believed we cannot be that different i'm whatever I'm feeling somebody else is feeling so and when I look at that camera, it's faces in my mind there's there, it's it's not the camera it's eye contact with someone, yeah and it never feels fake and it never feels forced and it never feels like it's just I know that the people are out there and so that's that's my reality that I step into when I step on my
1: stage right which is you know not it is a stage but it's not it is you know uh one of my coworkers. I shared listeners um a lot of you probably know Mark Fisher Fitness in this community. I had shared with mm-hmm. Christine before we recorded that I used to work there and she knows about it. <laughs> um, and um, we used to joke, my, one of my best friends worked there with me and he used to say, there was like a little teaching podium and we had our sound stuff up there and it was like a brick wall. And he, you know, I'm a funny person. And so I'd like tell a lot of bits and I knew how to like, I knew when to go like Liza Minnelli and I knew when to mm-hmm. go stand up comedy. And uh, he used to say, I feel like we're a comedy cellar. <laughs> it's like Steph's comedy seller, but I did feel like it was my, it's my stage, you know, and my stage of whatever my unique thing is to use. And for, you know, for me, it was a lot of comedy and heart, but as a Peloton writer watching you and and witnessing you on stage of the bike, it's always, for me, it's, it's, it's words and it's, it's empathy and it's support and it's, and it's really, it's so good. It's so good. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I love what I do.
2: And as you know, I started out as an actor. I came to New York City as an actor, studied acting at Carnegie. Mm-hmm. Not good at auditioning or just wasn't my time. My agent had told me that I wasn't, I hadn't grown into my castability.
1: Sounds familiar.
2: And I was like, Well, in college, I was always, I was the mother, I was, you know, Luba in The Cherry Orchard, I was Amanda in Glass Menagerie, or, or like, some older, like, death in Blood Wedding, you know, (laughs) like, (laughs) truly, Mm -hmm. like, diva, grand dame,
0: Mm -hmm, you know,
2: mm -hmm. and at 23, you're not going to play those parts in the real world, so... I was like, it's like a 20, at least 20 years before like I step into my own, like, what am I going to do? Keep waiting tables and do cater waiter jobs. Right. Right. And I started racing my bike around the same time. And I remember finally walking into the agent's office after yet another missed call, like not missed call, the callback that I didn't get. Yeah. And I said, I can act at any age, at any time. I know you've said a lot about sticking with it and establishing relationships in the industry. I said, you know, but I am 20 whatever years old I was. I got to race my bike. Mm-hmm. I have a chance to do something now with this.
1: So I I couldn't believe it. I walked away from age. <laughs> it's it's You know, I'm so glad you, I I mean, that was on my list anyway, and I'm glad you brought it up naturally because I'm someone who, you know, in my own way, did the same thing. And I was like, I got to get out of here for a while. Like, this is going to be here. And I think it's so important. You know, I was at my nephew's graduation this weekend up in Syracuse and David Muir from ABC Nightly News was the um, commencement speaker. Mm -hmm. And he said to them, you never know what door is going to open when it's going to open. Keep knocking. And if it's not that one, it's Mm -hmm. the next. And sometimes the door will open. It will be great for a while. And then another door is going to open that you had no idea. Like he just went on and on about doors, which was lovely. And um, that's what I kind of feel like you're saying here is that like, that door was not ready to be opened, but you needed you. But you were like, we want doors open. And sometimes they're not the ones we want. And they're staring. They're like, come in. And we're like, okay you know? Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Closing that door, which led to focusing
2: on racing. There were some other paths that happened along the way, like having a child mm-hmm. and it wasn't racing then. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but if it did lead me back to cycling, it, it ended up with me teaching and in teaching is where i found my stage yeah. with my words riding my bike and delivering potentially self-reflective life shifting experiences
1: for people yeah storytelling storytelling in your own very unique beautiful way can you just um for me so uh can you when did the When did teaching start teaching cycling start for you?
2: Well, in order to get there and make it all make sense, I should probably start a little further back. Okay. I think you learned in the pink ride that I wanted to be a ballerina Mm -hmm. when I was growing up and they always told me my thighs were way too big and they wouldn't put me in the short tutu, wouldn't put me in the front row unless they had a long tutu for that particular number. And this wore on me. I did everything I possibly could. I don't even need to explain all the things that I did to try to make myself smaller, to get under 112 pounds at five foot six and wasn't working out. And I went into acting. Mm -hmm. I get into Carnegie. I think this is a sign. Now I'm on the right track. And you can act at any age, any size. There are characters. I happen across an audition form. Loved the Shakespeare. Loved the Christopher Durang, laughing wild, but she's a little heavy in the thigh, and it just all tumbled back. And I, I, I have I've been fooling myself that doesn't matter how talented I am. It's this the 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 dysmorphic bomb in my head over thinking that I the ideas I had in my head uh, what I saw in the mirror based on what I was told I looked like uh were so damaging and when I discovered bike racing because I took a year off of college okay I needed a job. I always rode my bike around because I was very impatient waiting for buses. (laughs) So I learned, I was taking that year off. I learned the city by bike. And so I was like, all right, I'm already figuring the city out by bike. I see in the wanted ads, bike messenger, perfect. I have no idea what I'm getting into. (laughs) This is an underworld. This is like a superhero underground where everybody's got a special name, (laughs) like somebody's called. Basura, and that was like, it's just like trash. But that was his like special yeah. name. And, and the walkie-talkie, they're calling um, Spaz, and they called me Legs, and I was like, "Can you please not call me Legs?" Yeah. Like, He's like, "But why? You're really fast. Yeah, really strong, thick legs." And I was like, "Oh my God, stop <laughs> saying words like thick and big." And they said, "No, girl, you fast." You should race. And I did. And I won. I kept winning. I won a lot of shit. Can I say shit?
1: You can say anything (laughs) you want. Yes.
2: (laughs) And it occurred to me finally I am finding happiness and feelings of success because of my body. Whereas acting, dancing, Success was based on someone else's opinion mm-hmm. of you and your body. And this was because of my body exactly as it is, and my decisions and my actions that give me success. So that caused a major shift for me. Mm-hmm. Then I got pregnant. Okay. Then I gained. And for someone who always thought they were a big girl. Now I really was the big girl mm-hmm. in my mind. I so I, I said, you know what? I've I've got to accept myself. I've got to accept this. I will never find joy if I do not accept myself as I am. I can't fight my body anymore. Plus I just made life. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I'm going to be a plus size model. That, I'm going to try. I'm going to try this out. So I go to one of these home shopping um, channels, and I audition. Oh, we love your walk, your look, your energy It's great, but you're not big enough.
0: Oh, geez.
2: <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I am Goldilocks. <laughs> they said, but, 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 we can use you in this in the, the winter and the fall line because you'll have long sleeves if you wear these pads we just can't use you in the spring and summer because with short sleeves your arms will show and they'll look too small next to your padded body so they gave me pads to take me from what was I a, a, a 14, 16 18 like <laughs> that's barely plus right? right? to take me up to a 2022 oh my god I took these pads for the bust, the butt, the belly, the back, the thighs, and you shove them inside of these oversized pantyhose. hose. Not kidding. It was wild. Yes. And yeah. Every time I had to go on set, you have to check yourself in the mirror and make sure that your buttons are straight. Make sure your scarf isn't going to catch on anything. Make sure your hat's tilted right or your muumuu is straight. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, you put on this proud posture, you're modeling, right? right? You love what you're wearing, you're selling it. And so I postured this, this sort of proudness for however, about a year that I did it. And psychological gesture uh-huh. is like an exercise. And I feel like something happened, like I strengthened my proud muscles. Mm hmm you know, the muscles that you pull your shoulders back and lift your chin up and your heart up high. And one day I'm walking to the mirror doing the thing and I heard myself, I heard this voice in my head because as you know, we all talk to ourselves,
1: right? Yeah, all day. Not a
2: <laughs> As a whole, I stopped. I did like a double take as though like myself was saying to myself, stop. You've been missing the point. And myself said to myself, (laughs) (laughs) you've been stuck in this too big, too small. There is no too big or too small. There is only how strong. Hmm. You were your happiest and most empowered when you were riding your bike. Get out of here. Get back on your bike and see where it's going to take you. And I finished the day and I didn't go back, and very shortly thereafter, I was certified to teach cycling. Um, I went to a cycling class and had a terrible experience. Yeah. The very mean teacher. And but I saw potential in it. I was like, this could be something. You've got this movement. I love this movement. I love cycling, and you've got music. And you don't have to watch for cars or cats or children, and <laughs> so you can actually like close your eyes and just ride the bike. And this is what a phenomenon. And that led me to get certified. Okay. And I this year I've been
1: teaching twenty years. Wow. What was your first cycling job, teaching job?
2: It was a place called the Training Academy in Brooklyn. Laura wow. Goodwin Guerrarian. Gr- <laughs> <she, laughs> her name's changed since then. Laura Guerrarian. Um, she's gonna kill me if I said that wrong. Owns <laughs> <laughs> this gym and uh she gave me the job before I was certified. She's like, You got it, because they were new and needed something and I helped I built that studio. Yeah and with help with from friends and uh i taught there for a while we brought in like a stereo you know with (laughs) speakers (laughs) and a little like disco ball like you know money from spencer's gifts (laughs) 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 we painted world championship stripes on the wall i think um i i painted world championship stripes somewhere (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> you think it's that gym yeah
2: <laughs> yeah and other small gyms and then i got a job at equinox and i was there for i think seven years okay and yeah. then i had a short sentence whole cycle and then uh peloton wow and that was the big aha moment Mm-hmm. It was amazing to be able to. I was always being true to myself, or trying trying to find ways to be true to myself in my teaching. But the best fit.
1: <laughs> hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Amazing. That's amazing. When you're true to yourself. You will find your people. Say that one more time. When you are true to yourself, you will find your people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like just when you were saying about just explaining the timeline of teaching I'm 47 and I had a couple like in the past few years, probably during the pandemic had a few moments where I like that inner critic voice was saying things like, are you really going to be a trainer when you're 50? Are you really gonna like, really? Like, you're not going to like that terrible voice, but like a judgment on where I am supposed to be, where I'm not what and then something shifted right before i moved back to new york from la and i was like why not right why not be the 47 8, 9, 50 year old woman who other people need that are 49 50 60 whatever they are right why not yeah and it was just for me that moment of like i've done i've been saying that to myself about so many other things in my life mm-hmm. not just my career And that, when you just said, when you're true to yourself, you find your people. And ever since then, things have shifted a little bit. It's nothing like grand has happened. I didn't like, you know, but I feel more like myself in every action I'm taking.
2: Right. 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 We have a stigma around like, you know, what, what do you do for a living? I'm a spin instructor. No. What do you do for a living? I'm a personal trainer. As though that there's, as though that's a small thing. Right. And it's not. That might it's there's judgment around that like it's not a real career. Well, excuse me. <laughs> Let me tell you. Right. <laughs> Cultivating experiences with movement and music and mindful coaching. You can create transformative experiences that have nothing to do with fitting into a smaller pair of pants. When you help someone realize that they are bigger than a smaller pair of pants mm-hmm. and help them reevaluate what is really on their finish line. What are they real? We all want to be proud. Yeah. And our culture has tied us to the idea that in order to be proud, you have to put your waistline on the finish line. And at the end of the day, when you are in your grave, your stone should say, finally fit into a size two. <laughs> Success. This is not our life. This is not what we really are. Right. The weight of our words and the impact of our actions—that's where our weight is, and that's what we do in this job. Is help people find their
1: true weight. Yeah. Oh, I, I got. I, I'm actually picking up my pen for a yeah. second. For a second, <laughs> everybody, just hold the hell on. Find your true weight. Um, I actually tuned in to that live you did after class the other day. Maybe I watched it on, oh, because at the end, you're like, should I put it on the feed? I was like, I'm glad oh, you yeah. did because I wouldn't have seen it. Um, oh. And you you were kind of talking about this at the end, the we're bigger than a smaller pair of pants. I know for me, wherever I am in my journey, my journey is what I know best and what I pull from and what I know people connect to, right? Like that. what 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 resonates with them and it doesn't mean that I'm not spending time mentally sometimes still thinking about my weight and still I mean that I feel like that's just gonna be part of my mental journey my mental
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's gonna be part of my self talk for the rest of my life. Right. I'm learning how to change the conversation what has what has been like the biggest lesson you've learned about your own relationship to yourself that you think impacts how you lead others on their journey like as though i could nail it down to one i know i know <laughs> but i think we have these things out there in the world that we hear like accept yourself love yourself and that's so hard to actually Like, what is that, right? What does that look like? What is that? Yeah. 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 I would
2: say it's still a process. I'm not like, I haven't achieved a state of (laughs) having a perfect attitude. It's more, it's kind of like a neutrality in a way. Mm. It's yes. There's moments where I'm like, wow, I really wish I could wear that. And I won't allow myself to wear whatever that is because certain things about my body would look a certain way in that, that I'm like, no. (laughs) And it's like, and then I reckon with myself, like you should wear it anyway. (laughs) And if you would wear that, then you'd be empowering to other people who are feeling the same way. And okay, but then... Like, so I'm not perfect, right? Like, maybe I'm not there yet. I haven't achieved the the great state of, you know. But I do what feels good and right for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I walk by a mirror. And I'm like, huh. Okay. You know you just won that bike race <laughs> <laughs> you know you and when you were fifteen pounds heavier in two thousand nineteen you you won world championships against women who were faster than you, okay, remember that mm. okay, you made life <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: and you're grown ass adults, okay, calm the fuck down, walk away, yeah. And it's like it it's it's my work, it's my workshop work it's my workshop in my own head. change the fucking chatter, yeah, and you're not gonna magically feel like whoo! I love myself now you but you're gonna if you decide to stop, stop, go back and rewrite what you're saying in your head. Mm-hmm. What other things could you say? That's the training. That's the training. And to be honest, like through every workshop shop that I give, those are my workshops in self-talk. Um, I learn and reinforce
1: <laughs> what
2: I'm trying to t- It's like teaching what we need to learn. I am constantly trying to learn it again and again and again.
1: Yep. You were just, when you were saying, the championships I won, the life I created, all these things. One thing that's been really resonating with me, and I've actually never said it out uh, out loud, but it's something I've been simmering on. I think other people could stand to hear it too, is that we all, I spent so much mental energy picking apart my body. And in, in trying to shift that internal conversation, something that's been coming up is how many times have you healed? Yes. Yes. Right. Like the reason I'm on a Peloton now, five, six times a week is because I had a back injury and I couldn't, I'm a kettlebell trainer. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't even train the way I was used to training. And my physical therapist was like, get on a bike. And I said, I haven't, I haven't had my heart rate up a lot in like a year and I'm losing my mind. This is during the pandemic. Wow. And he's like, get on a bike and you, it'll be good for, and it's slowly making everything so much better, but it's making me think like how many times my back injury, or maybe I'm sure years ago, I can't think of all the times that my body has healed. Right. Those that's the numbers that count. Yes. Yes.
2: The number of times that you got back up, the number of times you fell and got back up mm-hmm. The number of times you made a better choice. Yeah. The number of times you said no to something that made room for your yes what you really wanted
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i have another question but i want to just take a second so you you have a little bit more time to tell everybody about your word shops just give a a Mm -hmm. little bit more information on those because they're so powerful thank you yeah many years ago i i've always had this mantra
2: not always it (laughs) happened in a class in the early 2000s where had these Japanese Kodo drums. The song was Strobes Nana Fushi by Kodo. Okay. And we're climbing a hill in the end of class, and it's it's those big Kodo drums. It's an incredibly powerful song. And this, you know, you spontaneously say things. They're unplanned. And I said, I want you to turn that up until you think you can't handle it. And then you tell yourself, I am, I can, I will, I do. Now go. And... It was one, uh, like the pink, it was one of those classes that just was in flow. Yeah. And for weeks and weeks and weeks afterwards, people continued to come up to me and be like, that class, that class, Mm -hmm. what you said, I wrote it down. That left an impact. I can't get, I keep playing it over in my head. (laughs) And for a long time, then I, I was like, well, that's that that's a cue. And I memorized the cue and then I would only say it when I played that song. <laughs> and then it occurred to me like, you can say it anytime you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started closing class with it. And then I put it on my, and then I made it my signature on my email and then I got it on Twitter. And then, yeah. and, I, and then, um, in like 2012, wow. is that 10 years ago? Yes. Wow. I know. I was asked to do something with it for um for some children in a, uh, in a in a workshop environment to empower children. It was a girls group. And uh could I could I do something with those words? And I was like, "Oh. Yeah, let's make sentences." And suddenly telling a story to lead into let's make sentences out of these four prompts and then let's edit them and make a mantra became workshop and the process what i discovered in rising to the occasion of answering can you do something <laughs> uh-huh. I discovered what was so sticky about those eight words. So identifying where you are, I am unhappy, frustrated, scared, is the only way to get where you want to go. You call an Uber, they can't get you unless you know where you are. You've got to identify where you are. And that requires us to be honest with ourselves and to be transparent about it with others. So a real heart-naked vulnerability. But then once we're really clear about where we are, then we can start to see what we can do about it. And the thing about... Well, what can you do about where you are is the first thing we think is everything we can't do. Right. Our culture, society has trained us to put barriers up that we can't because we're scared. We can't because we don't have the money. We can't because we don't have that particular skill. That doesn't mean we can't acquire the funds, the skill, the risk taking attitude to do a thing about where we are in order to get where we want to go. Yeah. I always use this example. When I was in fourth grade, I raised my hand and I said, can I go to the bathroom? And the teacher said, "Uh, uh-uh. may I? And I, I remember in fourth grade thinking, why do I need permission? Hmm. I said, why do I need permission to pee? But like, <laughs> but as I, that stuck in my head and started to the link that these things became linked in my head was why do I need permission? Why do I need permission to take care of myself? I don't, you don't need permission to do a lot of things. You can just figure out how to do a handstand. You can say, yes, you can say, no, you can say, I want the divorce. You can say, I'm in love with you. You can say, I am going to be the trainer at whatever age. So anyway, you can. Then I will. Oh. What will you do about it? Make a decision. That's scary too. But this, in this process of workshop, you write stuff down. All you're doing is writing. All you're doing is writing. It's just writing. So... Just write down a bunch of shit you will do. It doesn't matter if it's today or tomorrow, next week, next year, next month, next 10 years, just make some shit up and write it down. Yeah. Because the act of allowing yourself, giving yourself the agency to imagine that you will do something is a huge leap. Then you're taking something that could have been a fleeting idea and turning it into Possibility. And then we come to I do, and I ask people to imagine they actually have arrived. What's it like to be in the place where you wanted to get to? Do we spend any time thinking about that? Are you crying? I'm crying, you guys are crying.
1: It's good. It's all good. It's good tears. I'm sorry. They're like, Don't apologize I'm trying for not that. to wipe to distract you, but my eyes are like <laughs> flooded. <laughs>
2: i would apologize but i don't think i should
1: no i don't think you should either good stuff yeah look imagine Um, i imagine yourself where you in that spot is what you were saying yeah
2: yes and to allow yourself that moment to envision where you want to like you actually are in the place you want to be what's it feel like smell like look like taste like and how do you talk to yourself in that space The things you say to yourself in that space and the things you do in that space, in that version of your life are very different from the things you say where you began. You get to say things like, I do live without anxiety. I do wake up happy. I do speak my truth. I do ask for help. And then we take all those sentences... They write down they have a minute to write down I ams, I cans, I wills, and I do's. And then we edit them down until you have four tiny little sentences. There's no explanation, no backstory, no because he and she and my cousin and my mother and my brother, none of that. (laughs) Just go root. I not I am frustrated. Because my mother, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm frustrated. It is enough. You can own that you are frustrated without having to tell us why. You don't have to defend it. Right. I can speak up. I will speak up. I do release anxiety. There's a whole story right there, and you didn't even need the backstory. (laughs) And then what you have there is a tool it's a tool it's a very simple practical but fucking profound tool that you can get up from thanksgiving dinner excuse yourself to the bathroom and shit gets really tense and pull out your phone open your notes and write down i am (laughs) yeah (laughs) taking a moment (laughs) i can breathe i will go back i do say something (laughs) Yeah. You know, it just, it creates a a journey. It creates a tiny little journey or huge journey um, within those four little prompts that helps us redirect our (laughs) self-talk. And, you know, I haven't invented anything. It's just talking to ourselves. We all talk to ourselves. And I think that we can improve how we talk to ourselves and then through that improve our quality of life. That said, I know that changing our words is not going to change cancer. It's not going to produce the baby you're trying to have. It's not going to stop aging.
1: Right. <laughs> um, but it's gonna it's gonna shift the conversation we have with ourselves about, about the thing yeah. that might not be happening or happening yet. Exactly. It changes right. how you navigate the challenge. Yeah. So that's word show. I'm really glad I we talked about that thoroughly because I don't even need to ask my final question. I'm going to say it anyway, just because <laughs> this is probably a little um, self-serving, a little bit. Um, but it was my question was about people who find themselves, whether you know, for our listeners and beyond, but like people who are in a career that is unpredictable, right? In a career where you are maybe creating something on your own, whether it's as an actor um, your own business, but you feel like you have something very specific to do in the world mm-hmm. that can be a very hard journey and can sometimes feel really hard and really hopeless. And my question was, what advice do you have to share? <laughs> and now I've got the answer. It's you actually do. do you, yeah, I actually do. So thank you. Um, <laughs> well done. um yeah. Okay. So I could talk about so many things with you, but I'm going to honor our time here. I do want to talk real quick. We usually do like a fun little rapid fire moment, but in order to get into that, you're getting married very soon and you're renovating a home. Yes, the
2: renovations on pause at the moment.
1: Okay, (laughs) I
2: can't title the fireplace. I have to finish the bust on my daughter's dress.
1: I love it. I love seeing all the stuff you're doing. Yes. Um okay. Well then this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna do a few rapid fire questions and we'll wrap it up. This is just stuff for fun. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. What's your hometown? I was like, Am I ready for the wedding? No. <laughs> uh, first first rapid fire question. Where's your hometown? Oh, where I'm from from? Yeah. Downingtown, Pennsylvania. Ah, all right. Uh what is the first Broadway style show you saw, like, come through town or that you went to? Um, well, I, uh, Cats.
2: Cats. Yes.
1: (laughs) What is your favorite musical theater score? This is not fair. Cabaret. Ooh, good. What's the most memorable race you've ever had? Not fair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how, about how about memorable? Is there a memorable? Oh my gosh, I came to talk. Is there a memorable location?
2: A, winning Masters Worlds,
1: and where was that?
2: Manchester, UK.
1: Wow, amazing. Um, what's your favorite vac- vacation location? Oh, I I want to go to Greece. I have lovely. I'm going in honeymoon. Oh, oh. oh great. No, I'm, right. I'm doing a retreat. I'm doing a word shop retreat. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, what is your favorite red varietal? Oh, God. I love a California cab. Yes. What is your best renovation skill set? <laughs> Stripping. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny and last but not least in this moment today uh, what is something you are extremely grateful for?
2: I'm really grateful for? Yeah God so much I am really however this sounds it sounds I am really grateful I don't know why I have anxiety about saying this To myself. Great, you fucking that done it. Some that done a the lot. Flip, the switch flipped, and at some point I realized that to be true to myself was the only way. To try to fit into other people's boxes was never going to bring me happiness or success. And that to honor what my body was built for, to discover what it was built for and honor that, the, the lengths of our limbs, the density of our muscle tissue, the wiring in our minds, we are all built for something. And the sooner we can figure out the root core of that, and then find the things that support that, the more joyful and productive our lives will be.
1: Boom. Mic drop, Mic drop team. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I can't wait for people to, to listen in to this. Thank you. I will, I will remember this forever. I really will. Mm-hmm. I will remember forever somebody on a DM saying yes. And, um, it's really, it really speaks to the, you know, the, um, generosity in your heart. So thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, well, we're going to sign off here and, um, I wish you the best, uh, couple of weeks with this next big event in your life. It's very exciting. I can't wait to see things and see pictures and, <laughs> and, you know, and see you on the bike and it may be if there's ever in class you know, in-person classes again, I'll come do one or something. One day. One, one day, day we'll be able to do that again. Um, is there <laughs> anything else you want to say or share with the world before we sign off? I want to say thank you. I love the work that
2: you're doing. I saw that you spoke with Heidi Blickenstaff.
1: Yes. Oh, I, I meant to bring that up. I'm so, love, so glad you brought love, it up. I love, love, I love, love,
2: love, I know. Um, I know. you must also speak with Jennifer Samard.
1: I, I will, she's on the, I'll put her on the list there right now. Go. Yeah. Um,
2: love them yeah so i yeah just want to say thank you and if people want to find out more they can go to my website christinedircole.com i say it like that because that's how it's spelled there's no apostrophe mm-hmm. the but how's of it
1: thank you <laughs> <laughs> just the I'm say, of a hercules i'm gonna start saying wilbur instead of wilbur yes. yes 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 own that Uh, own the drama oh my gosh all right well thank you so much everybody listening thank you for listening have a great day be well be kind to yourself and have a lovely rest of your day bye everyone bye thanks for listening team and thanks in advance for the likes the follows and the subscribes keep an eye over on my instagram page for news about christine and i at broadway con this summer have a good one Thanks for joining us today. Check out other episodes on all streaming platforms, including the Broadway Podcast Network app. Be well and see you next time.
0: 18 plus.